All right, get your Bibles out to Acts chapter 12. <clears throat> Cord did an amazing job last week with the beginning part of chapter 12. If you didn't hear that, go online and listen to it. Uh, he talked about where Peter was imprisoned. <clears throat> now, you have to understand it was difficult times for the church because James, Peter, James, and John, the inner three disciples, James has already been killed. Peter gets arrested and he puts 16 Roman soldiers to guard this one little fisherman. God, through a series of events of angels, leads Peter out, delivers Peter. Uh, the, the soldiers are all going to get killed. Uh, it's a horrific scene. And the church is praying for Peter. The word that is used there is the same word when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where it says Jesus prayed so passionately that drops of blood came down his face. The church was praying that way for Peter because they'd already seen Stephen stoned to death. They've seen James killed. And now Peter's arrested. God, what are you doing? Now, this chapter is the perfect example of you look at it and go, well, why this guy dies and why does this guy live? Why does Peter get to preach another 50 years before he dies? And Jane? I don't know. It's a pretty good picture for you and me to say we have to trust the sovereign hand of God. But we're going to unpack this story today about why all of us struggle with the, with the desire to want to be God. And you're like, I don't want to be God. Yeah, you do. Deep down inside of us, everybody, maybe just a little God. I just want to be God of my husband and my kids. Or I just want to be God of my neighborhood. Or maybe just God of the city. But there are some of us that really think we could do a better job than God. And we tell him that on a regular basis. And there's a desire. And part of that is because God put his nature inside of us. <clears throat> so some of that is God-given. But remember Satan? Lucifer was his name. Lucifer's the worship leader in heaven. Check me out. It's in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. <clears throat> and Lucifer was created by God. His body was all of the musical instruments at once. So he was the orchestra. And he had the voice. And so every worship service in heaven, Lucifer led it. He's the band and he's the singer. And everything went well until one day when Lucifer said, you know what? I'd like to be God. And he got a third of the angels to come with him. Even after they'd known the power and the almightiness of who God really was. And so a third of the angels were thrown out of heaven. That's the demonic forces that we deal with today. And then there's two-thirds left that are fighting on our behalf. But the, even those closest to God had that desire that they wanted to be God. And you look around, what, what's the purpose? What do, what do you think What do you think's going on in Russia? He wants to be God. What do you think's going on in China? He wants to be God. What used to happen with Pharaoh? He, used, he wanted to be God. But the same principle applies to us. And yet Jesus said, if you want to be great in this world, you must be the servant of all. Servant of all. I'm a servant of all. I want to be God. Yeah, it's quite a drastic difference, isn't it? So that's what we're going to look at today 
in Acts chapter 12. But I have to tell you, I was uh, two weeks ago, I was up in eastern Kentucky, all right? Interesting folks up there. Anybody from eastern Kentucky? Yeah. They talk a different language up there. <clears throat> I was beginning to uh, adjust to that. <clears throat> and then this guy started staring at me. <clears throat> I don't like it when guys stare at me. <clears throat> Women stare at me all the time. You know, you just eventually, it's a, <clears throat> at a certain point, you just come to grips with it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but this guy just kept staring at me. And finally, he walks over to me and he pulls out two $100 bills. And he said, I want to give you this because you are the ugliest dude I have ever seen. So I called my wife. I tell her the whole story. And she said, well, you didn't take the money, did you? I said, sweetie, I'm ugly, not stupid. <laughs> All right, let's get to work. <clears throat> Acts 12, please stand out of respect for God's word. I'll explain all these players as we get going. After Herod had a thorough search made for Peter, Peter's been in the prison, and he didn't find him, he cross-examined those 16 guards and ordered that they be executed. <clears throat> then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon, that's modern Lebanon. They now joined together and sought an audience with King Herod. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod comes out wearing his royal robe, sat on his throne, and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a God, not a man. Immediately, don't miss that word. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by maggots and died. Mm. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. You can be seated. So there's a story, and then it seems like Luke got ADHD and threw in a couple other sentences, but I'm going to explain all that to you uh, as we go through it. So it starts off with this idea of the importance of giving God praise. All right. So if you're watching in Palm Bay, the land, we're glad you're there. If you're at home, we're glad you're there. But listen, if you're at home and you could be here, I want to encourage you to get back to worship. Because the power happens when God's people are together. You can't cry with me if you're not here with me. You can't laugh with me if you're not here with me. You can't serve if you're not here and being a part of this. It's so vital. Hebrews 10.25 says don't give up meeting together. It's so important that we, that we stay together. But praise seems like such a simple thing. It seems like something that is so inbred in Christians, but yet we don't always come to church. And listen, I get it. You have arguments like, well, I don't have to go to church to worship God. I could go, I don't know, fishing. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? You ought to be able to worship while you're fishing. And you ought to be able to worship while you're out hiking. And you ought to be able to worship 
A lot of ways, but that never takes the place of true biblical worship where God's people meet together and we give him praise. Now, you can also be here and not do that. You can be here and just sit there. You can just sit there and stare ahead and say, you know, they got this, they don't need me. No, we don't need you, but your voice going up to God is what worship is. So let's unpack Herod. Just give me a few minutes. So Herod, that was called Herod the Great, ruled Israel uh, before Jesus. Herod the Great is the one who said when the Messiah was born, the wise men come to town. It was Herod the Great that said, all the babies two years old and younger, I want them killed. And there's a spot in Israel that I could take you to where there is a mass grave of two-year-old boys. And if you think that's a coincidence, it just happens to date to the first century. If you think that's a coincidence, you don't have much understanding of history. All right. This is the Herod that Jesus and Mary and Joseph fled from. And they went down to Egypt. And this was one bad dude. He stole all the money. He built huge palaces all around Israel. He's got, he's got palaces everywhere. And he's one paranoid dude. He eats more food than you can imagine. He drinks more wine than you can imagine. He's got all kinds of health problems. He's paranoid. He kills his wives. He kills his children. He is a horrible, horrible man. When he dies, he makes this elaborate event for himself. He's buried in this huge mausoleum. But the Jewish people hated him so much that they destroyed that mausoleum so badly that it took us... 2,000 years to find it. And when we finally found it about 10 years ago, the biggest piece was about the size of a quarter. That's how they felt about Herod. Herod finally died. That's when Jesus came back to Israel, back to Nazareth. But then his son took over. His name, Herod's a title. And his name was Herod Antipas. Here's a picture of this wonderful man. Uh, Herod was just like his daddy. He was arrogant. He was pompous. He killed everyone in his path. He kills these 16 guards. If you go back a chapter, you'll see that James was killed. James was run through with the sword. He's the one that ordered it. How about Peter? He's one that has Peter arrested. 16 Roman guards. You think he intended to kill Peter? Absolutely. That was his plan. If you go back a few pages... Remember John the Baptist? John the Baptist got arrested for confronting a guy about his sexual sin. He got arrested and he ended up being beheaded. Yes? It's the guy that did it. Same guy. This is the guy that we're dealing with now. Just a horrible human being. So let me give you a little backstory. It it just, there's a sentence there. Look at your Bibles, whatever you brought. It says that... He, after he killed the 16 soldiers, he went from, he went from Jerusalem down to Caesarea. It's, I don't know, it's maybe 50 miles. Got another palace there on Caesarea. That's right on the Mediterranean coast. But he goes down there for a reason that's not mentioned in the Bible. At this time, Claudius is the emperor of Rome. And in the year 43, just to show you historically how this all fits and you can trust your Bible, In 43, the Emperor Claudius was in 
Great Britain and Gaul. And he spent those, that year conquering those two nations. And Rome goes under, uh, Britain and, and France go under Roman rule in the year 43. So in 44, he decides to come back to Caesarea and have a party. Now, you'd say, why did we have the party in Jerusalem? Because when the Romans tried to have a party in Jerusalem, it would anger the Jewish people a great deal. Because when Romans had a party, let's just say a whole lot of things they did at their parties would not have fit with what the Jewish people believed. All right? The drunkenness, the sexual stuff, you name it, all the stuff that would have gone on at a Roman party would not have been allowed in Jerusalem. So he goes down to Caesarea. I'm going somewhere, so just stick with me. So here's the the Hippodrome. We looked at this the other day. Uh, This would probably have seated somewhere between 20 and 50,000 people. There's there's fight going on between those people in Tyre and Sidon. So all the people from Lebanon are here to beg for food. And the Roman emperor is here as well. Now, do you think the Roman emperor came by himself? Do you think he took an Uber and, and came down? Now, he would have come with a huge entourage of his army. So, the day comes, and he's sitting right there. Tens of thousands of people. And the Roman emperor sitting there, probably right beside him. And Herod stands up, it says, in his finest clothes. Do you see that? Oh, it's not enough. He's wearing solid silver. All right, we know this from historians. He's wearing a dress or a Roman uh, toga that is made of solid silver. So when he stands up, the sun hits him. <laughs> Guess what they see? And then he speaks. They don't think he's a god. What do they think? We've got to suck up to this guy because he's got all the food. That's why they came, right? But here's the Roman emperor, everybody's there. And you're thinking, why didn't God deal with this guy back when he killed John? Why didn't God deal with this guy when he had James or when he had Peter? Because maybe God's got bigger plans than you and I ever understand. So on this day, with the Roman emperor Claudius sitting beside him, and all these tens of thousands of people, he makes his speech, glittering silver, And they say, this is the voice of a God, not a man. Instantly, he struck down and the emperor looks down and he sees maggots eating up the man's body. And this would have gone through the whole crowd. Which will explain the last verse when we get to that, but just stick with me. So God was doing something really big. But the mistake, the mistake that Herod made here, are you ready? He didn't praise God. You know what? I'm much quicker at complaining to God than I am praising. I'm much better to say, God, why did you let this happen? And why don't you do this? And why is this happening? Than I am to say, God, you are so awesome that the world still works and and the sun still works and the rain still comes and the food still grows and, and you deserve praise. And I come together, even at times when we don't feel like it, we gather together to celebrate and sing God's praises because he deserves our praise. That seems so simple. And yet we know for a fact 50% of Christians don't even go to church. (coughs) So we're not, we're missing something. 
Now, I don't know if you're, if you are on YouTube, Instagram, I don't know if you watch any of that, Facebook, any of the stuff, but there's really some weird stuff, which kind of what attracts me. But this is one I came across the other day. How to drink water. Now, that didn't concern me. What concerned me is this, that it got 1.7 million views. Now, I've had no formal training, but I have been drinking water for almost 60 years. But somebody thought we needed this bit of information. And it might say a whole lot about our culture. But... I feel like that's where we're at with praise. Why should I have to say to Christians, hey, you need to worship God? Why should I say to Christians, hey, you need to be in church? Why should I say to Christians, hey, you need to give? You need to get educated. You need to serve. You need to volunteer. Why would I ever have to say that? Shouldn't that be second nature as our response to what Jesus did for us on the cross? Shouldn't that be at the core of what we do, that we praise God? But the truth is, the battle, it's not that I don't want to praise God. The truth is, it's a battle between me wanting to be God and me praising God. That's always the struggle. When the Israelites went through the Red Sea and they went through on dry ground, Moses' sister Miriam wrote a song. This is the beginning part. It's the whole 15th chapter of Exodus. It says, the Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. And all of Israel begins to sing this song, giving God the praise, giving God the credit for who he is and for what he's done. Now, if you've not accepted Jesus yet, we'll give you that opportunity. Online, you hit a button. I've decided people will interact with you. If you're here, you come up here. People will be here to help you answer questions, pray with you. That's why we have these these teams here. But not praising God has a great deal of consequences. And again, people say, well, why doesn't God do this kind of stuff today? Well, do you really want him to? This is just like Ananias and Sapphira, right? In Acts 5, they lied and they died right there on the spot. And it said fear gripped the whole church. Well, that's what's next. So it looks like that Luke's lost his mind. We go through this whole thing about Herod. Herod not giving God praise. Herod dying and being eaten by the maggots. And then the next line says, And the church increased and grew in numbers. Oh, wonder what happened there at that stadium. I wonder if that day, if Emperor Claudius didn't say, maybe there's something to this Jesus. I wonder if the people from Tyre and Sidon didn't say, I wonder if there's not something to this Jesus story. Because fear is a tremendous motivator. And I'm going to tell you why your culture is so out of control. It's because we've lost this idea of fear. If you don't fear the government, you don't fear the president, you don't fear a God because you don't believe in a God, you don't feel fear of the teacher, you don't fear the police, you don't fear the law, then what you end up with is total anarchy because in that process, guess what's happened? You, my friends, have become God. Nobody tells me what to do. 
I do what I do when I want to do it. Ethics are all up to me. I kill a baby whenever I want to kill it. If I want to say there's 75 different genders, I can say that. You know, J.K. Rowling is in huge trouble right now. Now listen, I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but J.K. Rowling is an incredible writer. She went from being the hero of Scotland and all of Great Britain to today she's one of the most hated women in Great Britain. You know why? She said, I believe that traditional marriage is the only way to go. And how dare she say that there's only a man and a woman and that's what a marriage ought to be. All right? You see, it seems so basic, but there's another story of a lady who was laughed out of a university because she made that same statement. Listen, when there's no fear for God, and that's why Travis was saying this school will be built on the principles of Genesis 1 to 11, because that's where you get creation, you get the beginning of marriage, you get the beginning of family, the beginning of sin and righteousness. It's all laid out in the first 11 chapters. But it starts with this idea of fear. And if you don't fear God, then you'll never fear anything else and you'll believe yourself to be God. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy. Fear the Lord your God and serve him only and take oaths only in his name. See, when you fear God, you don't have to fear anything else because everything else will be in order. The house will put itself in order. So, The church grows, the word of God grows, the number of people who become Christians grow, what? Out of fear. What if God would have taken Herod Antipas out with John or with James? He could have. But don't underestimate God's long-term plans. Again, because I want to be God and I want to say, God, this needs to be done now. And God's like, no, I'm setting up a day where I'm going to have 50,000 people in an arena and I'm going to have a Roman emperor there and I'm going to make a statement beyond all statements. And that statement caused fear to ripple through the Roman Empire and may have done more to grow the church than anything else. And then the last statement seems totally disconnected. And then Barnabas and Paul and Mark come back from their mission. They've been out planting churches. So... It's a reminder that the church has gone on. Gone on during what? While Herod Antipas is killing people, putting people in prison, while the church is facing persecution from the government or maybe from other churches or maybe from religious people, while all that was going on, the church moved right on because the church stayed focused on what? Her mission. Her mission. We didn't get caught up in sexual stuff. We didn't get caught up in social stuff. We, we, we feed people. We clothe people. That's, that's what we do. But the mission of the church is to help people find Jesus as their Savior, turn them into disciples so they'll help their friends make more disciples. That's the purpose, right? That's the mission. So I just want to talk frankly. I want to get right to some application. And that is this. What is the mission that you've got that's unfinished? Listen, some of you are in the first quarter and you got time. You're organizing the mission. Some of you are in the second quarter and you're in it. Some of us are in the third quarter. It's a little more intense. 
Some of you are in the fourth quarter and you're like, man, I've got a few things I've got to get done for God and I'm not there yet. Some of you, let's be honest, you're at the two-minute warning. It's time. God, what is it that I need to finish? What do I need to serve? How do I need to give? What do I need to be doing? And we've all got a mission to finish. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So we got to keep going. We finished the mission. Does that mean there's not going to be any more persecution? No. Does that mean there may not be crazy people killing Christians? No. There'll always be stuff coming. But listen, you stop and you give God the praise he deserves. You focus on fulfilling your mission, but all of that is driven by a holy fear of the God who created you and then died to save your soul. I'll finish with this. There was a couple out in California. They were out hiking in the snow and got stuck. And they couldn't find them for weeks. And they finally found them. They were dead. And they had typed in a text on their phone. They couldn't send it. There was no towers. And we don't even know if they had anything left. But the text said... Is there anyone out there who can help us? And I'm going to tell you, I know there are a lot of people that hate God. And they intend to keep on hating God. But I also believe there are hundreds of millions of people that are looking for help. And they're like, do you guys know anything? Can you help me at all? Can you tell me that there's a a way to get through this life? Can you give me any hope to keep going? And the only people that can answer that question is the church of Jesus. So we're going to give you a chance to praise. you got to get your own act together to fear God and follow his word. And then, God, what is it? What is the piece of the mission that I need to finish in my life? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for challenging us today. Reminding us that you don't play and that you have a plan. And sometimes evil goes on unchecked and we begin to think, oh, look, evil's winning. And we don't see the long-term answers. So God, today we set back and we're going to praise you because you deserve it. We're in awe of who you are as the creator, as the sustainer of life. Lord, I pray today for the members of the Supreme Court as they face arguably the greatest decision maybe the world has ever seen. Give these men and women godly discernment. In Jesus' name, God's people said.